Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, it's great to be in here. Is it about to rain outside? All right. Well, then, good. You got no place to go. Let's just roll up our sleeves. The man boys are going to come up here, and the three of us are going to make this happen. So let's talk about uh, this morning um, what the Lord has for you today. Because here at Midtown, uh, what we believe, we don't believe because we've made this stuff up. We actually are leaning on God's inspired scripture to teach us about ourselves and about our world and about this community and about um, this city. <clears throat> so we study this, and what this tells us is that when we gather together, God has something for us. Um, so what does he have for you? And if he has something really spectacular for you, would you want that today? And so we get to participate in that together as a community because now we get to bring our hearts and our attention, our curiosity. Uh, we also get to bring our anger toward God and our frustration and our resentment and our sadness. We get to bring all that we are and look at God and go, okay, I'm ready. And so we've been studying Philippians and we're in chapter two and last week, we started chapter two, um, and Paul is talking about this. He's talking about this community. He's talking about how we do community and how we do life. In fact, what Paul is saying that if you don't understand who you are, you're gonna hurt us. If you don't understand who you are, you're gonna hurt us, this community. And this community matters. I'll explain it just a second, but can you imagine it's Mother's Day? Can you imagine a mother saying to her children, I'm not your mother, and I'm not gonna take on any mothering responsibilities. Her refusing to accept who she is and the power she's been given as a mom hurts her children, right? In the same way, you refusing to know who you are hurts us as a community. And let me tell you why this community matters. You know, this is your season. 100 years from now will not be your season. 100 years ago was not your season. This is our season to be the church. And God has ordained the church to be the light of the world. And we are in Nashville. We're the light for the city. And how we live out who we are matters to the city. It matters to people that have been marginalized. It matters to people that are saying we're not being heard. It matters to people that are hungry. It matters to people that don't know the Lord of glory. Like, it matters. So knowing who you are and how you move toward each other really matters. And so last week, we talked about this whole chapter starts with this word right here, if. And he's talking about Jesus. If Jesus has given you anything, anything that's good, here's what I want you to do. Paul says, I want you to take it into your church, Midtown Fellowship. Bring it into here. Whatever the Lord has given you, bring it here. And then he goes on to say, but there's a big problem in doing that, and the problem is you. You're the problem, because you're full of selfish ambition and vain conceit. And we talked about how you're just selfish, and you're full of you, and you are the problem. And so, yeah, should we just stop there, all right? Because if you're married here, look at your spouse right now and go, you're the problem. Please feel free to do that, all right? I ask you to do that. So... But here's the solution. We're to value each other more than we value ourselves. Simple. The problem with that is it's impossible. Like, I don't even know how to do that. So what do I do with the impossible? I run to the one that says, 
what's impossible for you is possible for me. So we run to Jesus. And that's such a church thing to say. We're gonna run to Jesus. Let's go to Jesus. What does that mean? Like, I am the one. Like, I can't say I have no idea I'm the pastor, right? I'm supposed to know. All right. Paul is gonna talk about that today. And that's what we're gonna talk about now. What does it mean for you to run to Jesus and doing the impossible by getting over yourself and helping us become a community that is glorious and reflective of our king? You with me? All right. If you wanna go, this is a good time. All right. If you wanna stick around, I got a reader. Dave George, come on up. And Dave is about to read a passage. Um, This is starting in verse five, Philippians chapter two. But this whole passage is all about Jesus. But listen to what he says at the very beginning. In your relationship with one another, have the mind of Christ. So what he's saying is, in the way you're relating to each other, have the mind of Christ. He's gonna talk a lot about Jesus, but what he's talking about is relating to one another. And who's the one another? It's you. Look around. This is your church. He's talking to the church. And so you look around and you go, I don't know any of these people. Yeah, that's a problem, all right? Because if you don't know anybody in here, it's going to be hard for you to have the mind of Christ as you relate to one another. That may be the first step. Hi, my name is Randy, all right? But when you get past the first step, this is how we're to live our lives with one another. Dave. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So Lord, uh, we really ask, we deeply ask that your Holy Spirit now would uh, forgive me for my sins and that I would not get in the way of what you want to give to each of these folks here today but that, Lord, you would use me as a tool, but also our worship team and even each other uh, for your purposes. In Christ's name, amen. So this is, many historians believe this was a hymn or this was a creed that the early church recited. This would have been something that the people at the church in Philippi would have heard before. And Paul is injecting it here and saying, this is how you're to move toward one another. So here's the whole sermon in about 10 seconds is that we wanna see something beautiful, we wanna be something beautiful, and we wanna make something beautiful. That's this whole passage is about, okay? So uh, write that down, you say, I got it, now you can start thinking about what you're gonna do for lunch. All right, or we can come back to this passage. We wanna see something beautiful. Um, Isn't that true? Like, do you like beauty? Like, close, would you close your eyes just for a minute and just think about the most beautiful thing you have ever seen. And this would be where you would say, it's my mother. You know? (laughs) That would have been a great moment. But no, think about the most beautiful thing. And just, was it hard for you to remember that? Or was there a lot of things? Do you know that the way that you're made, that you you long for beauty? Uh, I mean, 
is beauty to you like art? Is that beautiful? Or is in that art expression, is it like a movie? Like, do you love storytelling and you find that beautiful? Or is it music? Like, do you have a song that you just hit repeat all the time on? And whenever you hear it, it makes you sad and you like being sad or it makes you glad and you like being glad or it makes you want to dance or it makes you angry so you can rage and you have permission. Like, what does that art do for you? Or when you see something that's been created by man, whether it's, I mean, David, you know, whether you see something architectural, I'm sure you find beautiful and stunning that we, we love, love, love beauty. We seek it out. We make time for it. In fact, <clears throat> Have you ever been walking through the mall and somebody beautiful walks by and your head just follows them? Like, like almost like you're out of control. Like we are just drawn to beauty. In fact, do you know that, that there's been tons of research about this and you can go Google search this, but they've actually done brain scans while they're showing people beauty and it begins to trigger the part of your brain that controls motor functions. It's almost like beauty, Not when we see beauty, it makes us move toward it physically, like we're made for it. And the reason that I'm saying that is because what Paul is giving us in this ancient creed, the first thing he's giving us is something that's beautiful. Look at verse six. He's talking about Jesus, who be, being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So note this, because we're studying scripture. Twice it says very nature, in the very nature. And in the very nature of God and in the very nature of a servant. What he's saying there isn't that Jesus was somewhat like God or Jesus was somewhat like a servant. What he's saying is that Jesus was God. He was of the nature of God, and Jesus was a servant. He was both God and man. And so let's get our head around this, that Paul is saying in this ancient creed that every attribute that we give to God, whether he's omniscient, that he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he is the creator, he is the high king of heaven, all of those things are also true about Jesus. Before Jesus was incarnate, all those things were as true about him as they were that we would attribute to God. What Paul is doing, he's declaring that Jesus was both God and man. He's declaring the divinity of Jesus. He was and is and always will be God. <clears throat> I want you to grasp that because I've been watching this Netflix series, The Universe, and you know why it's called The Universe? It's about the universe, that's right. <laughs> this room's not so big that we can't enjoy each other, okay? All right, and it's, this, it's all about the galaxy. Do you know that, that they used to think that our universe consists of 200 billion galaxies? Like, we're in one galaxy, but they, they believe there's 200 billion billion more galaxies. Now with new technology and telescopes, now they're thinking that number is closer to 500 billion galaxies. And let this blow your mind. In every one of these galaxies, they're figuring an average of 100 million stars in each galaxy. Now do the math. 500 billion galaxies, 100 million stars in every galaxy. 
And here's what your Bible says that if, you may be a skeptic here today, and I'm with you. The Bible says that Jesus created them all and holds them all in place and names every one of them. He knows all their names. Now think about the, the, the massive, like the, just how do you describe that? That, that, that? that God that can create that and hold it all together. And here's what's mind-blowing about that. That God <clears throat> took the nature of a servant. As much as Jesus was God, that's how much he was a servant. Here's, here's the beauty of this. So think about this. God is all wisdom and he is all knowledge. Becoming a servant was not plan B. It wasn't, well, how are we gonna accomplish? I don't really wanna do that, but if that's what we have to do to get what we want, then I'll go be a servant. No, God and his infinite plan that started before Genesis even began. The history of redemption started even before the Garden of Eden happened. That God decided the best way Man, I'm not even gonna do this justice. The creator of the galaxy said the best way for me to display to you who I truly am is to become a servant. So I was at a, I was at a Foo Fighter concert uh, before COVID. That would be cool for me to say, I snuck away during COVID and Foo Fighters put on a concert just for me. But it was, you know, the Bridgestone, it was unbelievable. You know, they're insane musicians. But at every one, if you don't know the Foo Fighters, shame on you. Foo on you, all right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm a child of the 70s. What do you expect, all right? So every show, the fans all know that the lead singer, Dave, always brings somebody up on stage. So fans have signs that are like, bring me up on stage, you know? And uh, so at our show, he pointed at somebody and he goes, do you know the words of this song? And they hesitated. He was like, ah, okay, get on. I mean, he got on the side of the stage and he just kept going, I hope you know the words of this song. You can't come out here and fake it. And the guy walked away. Like it was like, I'm not going out there. But there is a YouTube video. Yeah. If you get tired of your mother today, go search this out. All right. It's a YouTube video of there at a show. And they call this guy up on stage, and he wasn't a singer, he was a guitar player, and he had long hair, I mean, he looked the part. And they gave him a guitar, and he shredded it. Like, he was just like, you realize at this moment, this guy had spent his entire life in his mother's basement waiting for just this glorious moment, and the crowd just go, like, they're not expecting anything beautiful, and they see it, they're like, and it's just, and this kid, had that moment of profound glory. And if I was sitting with Jesus before he made Eden and said what we should do, I'd say, that. Give Jesus a guitar, all right? And you come out just completely <laughs> glorious in all your shredding abilities. I'm telling you, I, to me, that kind of stuff is what Jesus should have done. I know, it's so stupid, isn't it? But I'm, I know. Here's what I can't get my head around. Jesus looking at me and going, no, sit down. And he puts an apron on. And then our God gets on his knees and he washes the feet of grimy, dirty, inconsistent, 
sinner disciples, and one of them that he washed the feet of was the one who betrayed him. That's your God. That is what I can't get. You know, in John 13, before he washes any of their feet, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. That is your God. And that should scare you. It scares me. Because you know what Jesus' agenda is? Is to rescue you from you and rescue to him. He is trying to get you away from the poison and death of you to bring you to the life of him. And you know what the life of him is? We put on a tile and we become a servant. You know the solution for selfish ambition and vain conceit? It ain't you. I mean, it's beautiful. But it's not enough just for me to to see something beautiful. I really want to be beautiful. Have have you ever seen somebody stand on stage and sing and you're so moved by the beauty that they're creating that inside of you, envy begins to well up and you go, I want to be that beautiful. Am I the only one that have ever had that experience? (laughs) Okay, I'm weird. All right. Or you see somebody who has chiseled something out of stone that it looks alive. And, and you, you go, that, whoever created that is beautiful. They've got, the, the, the very art of what they do is beauty. It's just beautiful. We're in awe of them. And we want to be in awe of. We do. We want the world to look at us and go, amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Well done. Life worth lived. We'll go to verse 8. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's not just that Jesus is beautiful. Jesus in his beauty now moves to death so that you can move toward life. See, the whole cross was about the fact that, that you have been born under this curse called sin. Jesus didn't just rescue you from, you know, telling a lie or the things that you did that are bad. You were born into a prison. And scripture teaches us that that prison is called the curse of sin that had poisoned everything. In fact, when you came alive, you were born into death. You were born into spiritual death. There was nothing spiritually alive inside of you. And because you were spiritually dead, the only thing your life could produce is spiritual death. That's why Isaiah says, even our best deeds are like filthy rags because death from death produces death. And we're so dead in our sins that we don't even know that we're dead in our sins. And Jesus, knowing that, did something that is just impossible for us to believe because all of our sins and the sins of mankind were against God. Has anybody ever offended you? No, you haven't lived long enough? You're not married yet? All right, Uh, I mean, like, has anybody really, like, stabbed you right in the back? Like, somebody has really intentionally took advantage of you. you. You are justifiably offended against. Like, think about that. That time that that friend lied to your face, and then you found out later they lied to your face or stole from you. Like, think about what it felt like to be offended. 
God is offended. In fact, God is not like you and me to where our offense is a little bit our fault. You know what I'm talking about? That even in friendships, you know, we feel so self-justified and self-righteous, and in fact, maybe we're a little bit of the problem too. That's not God at all. God is completely just, holy, blameless, and he is offended by us. The high crimes that we have been committing are against heaven. You and you alone, Lord, have I sinned against. That's what David said after he committed adultery. You are the one that I sinned against. And yet this, this offended God, who in perfect holiness and righteousness would be justified to lower the boom of justice on every one of us. You know that. That God would be holy and within the character of a righteous God to bring judgment on our crimes. This is what he did. He stepped down from his place of glory and he took on the mantle of a servant and took on our position and then took that to the cross and willingly embraced death for you. Why? He paid for the sins that we could not pay for to release us from the prison of death. He paid for our crimes in our death so that we could be made alive. I'm not going to do a good job of this. Spirit, help me. He made you beautiful. He took orphans and he made them sons and daughters. He took sinners and he made them holy. He took people with no purpose and he gave you purpose. He took people with no gifts and he endowed you with spiritual gifts. And then he did something that we don't have time to talk about this morning. But do you ever ever read the Old Testament about the temple and the Old Testament? Do you realize that that was a picture of you? Because when Christ rose again from the dead, you're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the dwelling place of God, sons and daughters. And he has made us this beautiful community that now reflect the glory of the Father that loves us so much, the best display of his glory was to serve you. Uh, the old is gone, the new has come. Jesus even says, we are the light of the world. you believe that? You have to believe that. Remember the mother? If you don't know who you are, then you hurt us. And if you hurt us, you hurt us in this city. You are beautiful. You're beautiful. Do you know that even C.S. Lewis said, if... <clears throat> If we were to see you in your glorified state, you know, when Jesus comes back, we're gonna be like him. If we saw you like that, if we could really see you, we'd all be tempted to bow down and worship you. That is the beauty of what Christ has done in us through the redemption that he brought through his death and through the resurrection. So we, are, we love beauty, we wanna see beauty, but now we've become beautiful. Remember, what are we doing? We're learning how to move toward one another. And the final step is that we get to make beauty. If you would dare to believe what Christ has done for you and believe who you are, you know what it's gonna do? It's gonna make you worship. Look at verse nine. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and, earth, or in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we see beauty, when we realize we're beautiful, 
we go, wow, that's worship. Wow, it's awe. Wow. And here's the cool thing is that Jesus is saying, participate with that. Now, don't just when you're in awe, but know the awe and now participate with it in your life on a regular basis. Not just sing and worship the Lord, but worship the Lord in the way that you move toward one another. What does that mean? Do you know that um, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says something. You can go read it. It's really this amazing passage. It's a little scary because it's talking about the throne of God and it's talking about the judgment seat of God. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, he's talking about each of you. He says, you've did it to me. Whatever you've done to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it to me. In fact, here's the crazy thing. As I worship the Lord, it draws me to you as I worship him so that I can serve you. Why? Because I see something beautiful. I've been made beautiful. And now I get to make beauty by being like my Jesus and serving you. So (laughs) we're about to worship. Um, but before we do, I'll tell you this last story. Um, when I was in youth ministry, we would go on these mission trips. Every time, anybody ever been on a mission trip as a youth? Yeah. No, two, three, is that an old thing now? Nobody does that anymore, okay. <clears throat> so we would take these kids, we had this relationship with this orphanage down in Jamaica that Johnny Cash started. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? And, uh, but we love these people and we love the kids, so we'd go every summer you know, with 10 or 15 youth and We'd go down there and just love on these kids. We'd, you know, have soccer tournaments and crafts and all kinds of stuff we would do with them. We'd bring snacks and candy and just food, and the kids just loved it when we showed up. But it was a weird kind of thing because this orphanage was, it was on the outskirts of town, and all around it were woods and jungle. And in the morning as we got there, the vans would pull up. All the kids would come out that, that live in the orphanage, but then the woods would become alive and all these children would come in out of the jungle <clears throat> and be a part of our whole program. They knew we were there. So we would have twice as many kids in our event that, that like lived in the orphanage. And there was this one little kid that was three years old and his legs were bow-legged and uh, nobody knew who he was. None of the kids knew who he was, but he would come walking out of the jungle every morning with nothing on but a diaper. And he would come waddling up and with a big smile on his face and just ready to participate. Three years old. No mom, no dad, no big brother, no big sister. Not a kid in the place that knew who this kid was or where he came from. Where did he go at the end of the day? It's a whole other story. But one day he came waddling in and he had his diaper on, or I should say he was dragging his diaper behind him because he was like hauling a full load, you know? And <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about? Do I have to be descriptive? Okay. Um, and we're all like, oh, Lord. Like we, so I'm, I, I'm a leader and what leaders do is they delegate. So I was like, hey, hey, hey. Come on, let's get somebody over here. Diaper patrol, diaper patrol. Y'all babysit, right? Go change that diaper. 
And being great students, they all rebelled against my authority and said, no, that we're not touching that child. And I was left with the responsibility of taking this little bitty boy into this bathroom and changing his diaper. And um, I'm not gonna do it justice, but to tell you that I put him up on the sink. When I opened the diaper, I literally had to leave the room because it was so bad. It smelled so bad. I mean, it was literally, I thought, I'm about to add to the mess with more mess. And I'm sitting outside getting some air, and I'm, I'm praying. Yes, I'm praying. Jesus, I can't do this. I did not sleep well last night. I want to go home. And I go back in, and he's just laying there on the sink, just kind of smiling. And that was about a two or three walk out of the room episode until I came back in, and the Lord does this. If you know Jesus, you know what I'm talking about with the gift of his Holy Spirit, he came to me and he said, Randy, worship me. Worship, serve this child as if you're serving me. Because this is how I found you. And not only cleaned you up, I gave my life for you. And because you know that, you've seen that beauty and now you are beautiful. Bring my beauty to the least of these as if you're doing it for me. And I I swear to you, the aroma of that bathroom changed to something holy. I, I started crying and I just wept the whole time I was cleaning this little boy up. It be, what, what I disdained now had become an honor because what did I remember? I remembered that I know something beautiful and he has made me beautiful. And now he's calling me into your messy lives to make beauty. And he's calling y'all into each other's lives to make beauty. That's worship. That's worship. So we're about to sing some songs. And I want you to know that singing songs is a part of worship. But they're preparing us to move into each other's lives. So you know next week, uh, the COVID restrictions are over. And... I don't know who's coming back. There are people that go to Midtown I haven't seen in over a year. But whoever walks through that door, whoever comes in here, the way we love them because we are loved is worship. The community that we're building matters in this city as worship. So will you join me in that journey? Let me pray and let's let the band come and lead us in worship. Lord, How beautiful you are, Jesus. How gloriously beautiful you are. How beautiful you have made us that we can be called sons and daughters and that is what we are. We are your beloved. We are your bride. We are your treasured possessions that you rejoice over with singing. Lord, grant us ears to hear you singing over us now that our response would be worship to you, to join in the song of heaven, to join with the angels in the glory of our Father who has called us his own. And give us grace now, Lord, to make beauty of our lives as we move toward one another. In Christ's name, amen.